0: I know. This sounds crazy. I agree. And out of context, certain headlines or claims sound insane. Without any evidence or build-up. But we've shown evidence, and we've had build-up. We've had three episodes to build to this moment, and this revelation. And now, we're going to have an explanation for how Lyndon Johnson arranged for the assassination of President Kennedy. It sounds crazy, I know, but by the end, you may be wondering, who's really crazy? Those who believe in facts or magic? You're listening to the podcast, The Story Is, the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the personal. This episode really is the conclusion of our look at the assassination of President Kennedy and who was really behind it. This episode is entitled, The Tragedy That Lingers. The natural question after a claim like this, how did Lyndon Johnson pull this off? How did he arrange for the assassination of President Kennedy? Well, he had some help. He knew someone who had killed before and was willing to kill again. He knew someone by the name of
1: Mac Wallace.
0: About Mr. Mac Wallace, that would indicate him being the, uh, the shooter of President County.
1: Well, one, they found his fingerprints on the sixth floor on a box up there. They found his prints. That ooh, that's, that's, uh, that's a big one. That's a big one. And then, if you also look at his relationship to LBJ, they go back into the forties when LBJ was running for the Senate in nineteen forty-eight. Uh, he had some problems with his, uh, you know, opponent. The opponent was going to win. And all of a sudden, the opponent ends up dead, and McWallace Wallace uh, was the one who uh, who killed him, and he got off. Uh, if you remember the story on that, he, oh, that's he was,
0: right. That's right. I believe I'm trying to remember. I believe. He was I convicted. believe Mac Wallace. <laughs> that it's a, it's an odd place for a shooting. I believe Mac Wallace shot him at a, I want to say a mini golf place.
1: Uh, was I, that's that? where LBJ's sister got killed.
0: Oh, okay. Then maybe I'm thinking of somewhere else, or maybe it was uh, it was a bowling alley. I can't something remember. something like that. It was some public place where there were witnesses that saw Mac Wallace um, leaving the, uh, leaving the place uh, where the. Uh, where the murder took place yeah. the, the man was was shot and he shot and killed someone in a public place yeah and then yes he was later um he was later released or he won on some type of some type of technicality yeah um never mind he clearly shot somebody uh in public and and i believe i'm trying to remember i believe mac wallace also is a very i believe he held a very public uh, position in the White House, if I'm not mistaken, he he
1: goes. He's been on LBJ's payroll for decades, right? There's a and there and it's not like there's a
0: straight line from Lyndon Johnson to Mac Wallace. Oh, It's yes. not like it's not like there's anything elaborate. There's nothing that you need to uh, conjure up to connect uh, President Johnson with Mac
1: Wallace. No, it's it's out there. Pictures of them together, <laughs> right? It's a. Uh, and it's interesting, too, uh, I was reading uh, several, uh, I think, credible books by people who were there and new people, um, you know, with LBJ and Mac Wallace. And uh, one writer uh, attributes uh, LBJ's sister as being murdered by Mac Wallace on behest of LBJ. Oh, my. And the reason is, evidently, LBJ's sister was an alcoholic, uh, wild uh, if you you know kind of want to picture a, you right. know, a, a, a hitting the bars in the nightlife and not a mm-hmm. sophisticated lady you know right. she was she was out there uh, kind of a loose woman and, and right. she uh, had a big mouth mm. and LBJ is running for the Senate and here are her his sisters out there who did not like him at all and he did not like her and he couldn't keep her quiet And so the story goes that Mac Wallace killed her. Mm-hmm. They still to this day, they they that was an unsolved case mm-hmm. who killed his sister. You right, know, it's, it's on the books as unsolved. Right. But the, inside, people say it was LBJ had her killed because she was going to ruin his uh, chances of being uh, elected Senate. Right. So yeah. So Mac Wallace is is a is a public is a public
0: figure. People would think of him as one thing, but uh, there are many of those who look into the alternate theories of why President Kennedy was killed, would
1: label Mac Wallace
0: as a hitman?
1: Yes, he's a professional hitman. Absolutely, and they, you know, LBJ used him, uh, they, they say, on uh, a couple of cor- uh, so- uh, sources saying that uh, uh, LBJ used him for uh, six murders, but they can't be proven. That's right. just a rumor Yeah, that's from it. people who know him. <laughs> right, that's... Uh, but that- also he was an excellent marksman, not a marksman, he's an expert shooter. Mm -hmm. He was a a really good rifleman. He he knew what he was doing.
0: Lyndon Johnson was in the right position to arrange for Kennedy's assassination. He knew the right people. And he was also in the right place. According to Mike Logan, he describes the environment of Washington, D.C. at this time. It is as I would put it, a open window for treason.
1: Think about it. He'd been in Washington for a number of years. Washington is one of the most corrupt places on the face of the earth. You talk about a deep state rat's nest. That's it. Everybody knows it. There's, you know, there... There's a government behind the government and people in power that we don't even know about, but he does. I mean, he's in the end. He knows who's the crook and who's, who, can, who can help him. Mm-hmm. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover hated John F. Kennedy. So, mm-hmm. okay, he could, he could probably get uh, Hoover you know, to help in the uh, lack of investigation after the fact. Uh, so that was no problem. He, I'm sure he knew lots of people in the CIA mm-hmm. that he could talk to, and they get together and they work this out. and Say, look at here's what's going to happen. He's going to destroy the CIA, mm-hmm. and he's going to destroy do this, this, and this. We've got to stop him, and uh, you know, for the country's sake, you know, play on that patriotism. You know, not that uh, you know on the other way. Like, hey, I'm going to jail. We got to stop him. It's like, hey, our country needs to stop this man. If he gets reelected, he's going to do away with with the CIA. He's going to uh, pull out of Vietnam, and you know we, we need not we need to defeat communism over there before you know domino effect before it comes here. So for the country's sake, we need we need to get rid of him. So on that standpoint, he could recruit you know some people, and I'm sure it would be no problem to recruit people in CIA who uh, have no morals, you know and uh, would just love to be able to be part of, uh, you know, something like this and get uh, promoted afterward by LBJ. Say, look, at when this is over with, you're going to be station chief in Uruguay or whatever, you know. So I don't think it would be that hard to recruit, you know, some powerful people in the government.
0: Citing again that same Rolling Stone article from last episode. E. Howard Hunt laid out the outline for the entire assassination conspiracy, he told his son, and they put together a diagram of all the people involved. Hunt said the mastermind was LBJ, who hid behind layers of protection. The names he mentioned, in addition to LBJ, were Cord Meyer, David Atlee Phillips, Antonio Vincana, William Harvey. John Roselli, Frank Sturgis, David Morales, and a French or Corsican assassin. According to Hunt, the reason why there are no straight lines to Lyndon Johnson is because he made it that way. He layered it so that there was never a direct line between the assassination and him. There were always someone else involved someone to act as a buffer so the next question is why would Lyndon Johnson do this well he had plenty of motives as we'll see
1: be true Uh, E Howard Hunt on his deathbed, mm-hmm. and you—it there's it a YouTube video of him on his deathbed talking about. Yes. And he said LBJ was behind everything. Mm-hmm. Everything was organized and, and put in motion by LBJ. And uh, other people, too, and things I've researched, I agree. LBJ was behind this for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. One, uh, he was under investigation uh, with his... Uh, his business partner uh, Billy Solestis in this scam in Texas, and he they scammed people out of millions of dollars and selling them uh, agricultural stuff that didn't exist, you know. Wow. And uh, anyway, he was uh, under investigation for that, and he was about ready. He was so close to getting indicted, and the evidence was overwhelming against LBJ. He was going to go to jail. Number one. Number two. Uh, The election was coming up and Kennedy had already indicated he's not going to be on the ticket, you know, because he's going to be in jail, you know, that uh, LBJ can't be on the ticket. So he's got a problem here. Uh, He's going to go to jail if something doesn't happen to stop this, you know, uh, investigation, this indictment. And the only thing is going to stop it if, if he's president. And the only way he's going to be president is if somebody gets killed right now and they make him president. And which is what happened, but in addition to wanting him dead because he didn't want to go to jail, uh, JFK is on record for what he intended to do in his second uh, term. He wanted to get away, do away with the CIA. He he says that in speeches that are still today. You can see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked at them as a secret or uh, organization outside of the government who just. Uh, They just kill anybody they want uh, in other countries to get rid of them if they think they're a problem without permission from anybody. They're a rogue organization with too much power, and Mm -hmm. he was going to do away with them. Hmm. Well, if you're in the CIA, and you've been there for 20 years, and this is your baby, and this guy's going to dismantle your organization, uh, and you're the CIA, Mm -hmm. you're going to get rid of them. You know, that's the only way you're going to stop this guy. So you had LBJ, you had the CIA wanted him out of there, and then you've got big oil. Big oil, uh, which was friends with uh, LBJ Merchantson and his buddies, they're they're like the Bill Gates uh, of that time, Mm -hmm. the richest people in the country, and they made their money on oil. Well, where they make the most money quickly is during wartime. Uh, Vietnam was making them billions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, supplying fuel, oil, supplies, everything, you know, jets over there. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, they're making billions of dollars, uh, you know, for this uh, war in Vietnam. Um, Kennedy said he wants to pull our troops out. Right, You know, we're not going to go into Vietnam anymore. Uh, it's not our fight. So uh, th- they were going to pull pull the troops out and stop that conflict, that war in Vietnam, which in turn stops Big Oil from making billions of dollars. And Big Oil and, and LBJ were, you know, best of friends. Mm-hmm. So you've got LBJ not wanting to go to jail. You've got CIA not wanting to be disbanded. You've got the Big Oil companies who didn't want Kennedy in there because they're going to kill the golden goose. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these three things going against them, and they're all... They're all um, Together in this conspiracy to get rid of him, and so that—that's who I think, you know, was behind all. Of them.
0: He used his actual staff, as an actual people, to move things in a way to end the life of President Kennedy. Um, because I want to show you some. Uh, let's see some things here. What you would you say was the most condemning behavior of President Johnson before the assassination? And I'll give you I'll give you a couple choices here. Things that I that that have been documented, and we know for sure. One, demanding the parade route goes through Dealey Plaza. As I understand it, it was his staff who organized the parade route. Yes, and there was a huge argument. Yes, over the parade route that it had that and he are he his staff argued it had to go through Daily Plaza. Yeah, never mind. There were others saying that was a terrible idea. Awful. There are thousands of windows. Yes. Why is high it, rise? Why does it both sides? Why does it have to go through Daily Plaza? But so that's that's one right there. That. Is documented. His staff organized the parade route,
1: or and it was uh, last minute, like two days before, right. that they did that. Right. It was. They, they had it, a different route, but they said, "No, we went this route."
0: Mm-hmm. Crazy. And it, beca- and it became, a, it became a point of conflict that mm-hmm. that they would not move on. So there's that one, and then there is, and there's I, uh, there's photographic evidence of Lyndon Johnson squatting down in the car. Before any shots are fired, that is on
1: videotape, a split second or two before the first shot was fired. You see Lyndon Johnson in the back seat of his convertible, leaning over, leaning down. He didn't want to get hit. And, and why? Why would? It, why would he lean down on the like almost on the floorboard, just before the shots fired? Yep.
0: And and. Uh... Yeah, he's leaning down, whereas uh, uh, Lady Bird Johnson is sitting there. She didn't know. Nope. thing is, and you can tell by the other faces in the in the people in the video and in the picture, the shots have not fired yet. No. People are just, people are just, you know, having a parade, you know, they're just, they're just sitting and relaxing. Nothing has happened yet. yet. Yeah. Johnson, who is probably, I'm going to guess, the tallest guy in the car. He's like 6'4". You, you can't see him. <laughs>
1: Whoops! I dropped something on the floorboard, yeah. uh, Lady Bird. Uh, I better go get it. it pow, 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 pow! All right, the shots fired.
0: right. No, it's been noted that supposedly he was. Uh, it's been noted that his profile in relation to uh, to uh, Mrs. Johnson was at the same or lower, which is incredible considering yeah. how much taller he is than yeah. her. Um, and he that, he, and he that, ducked. every everyone in the car noted that he spent a lot of his time. Leaned forward, supposedly listening to the radio, uh, to the Dallas radio, and then and he that's where he was kind of squatted like that for, for the you know even be, even before uh, Daily Plaza, so he was so that's where he was, so yeah that's just an that's just an incredibly uh, condemning behavior
1: that and also with Conley, Governor uh, Conley was riding in the same car with Kennedy. Right. Prior to them getting into the vehicles, uh, the, the Secret Service went to Conley and said, no, you're supposed to be in a separate vehicle from the Kennedys altogether. And he refused. He said, I'm riding with Jack Kennedy. The people of Texas want to see me with him. And they said, no, Governor, uh, LBJ says for you to be in a separate vehicle altogether, and he demanded no. He said, I'm riding with Jack Kennedy. See, he didn't know right. what was going on, but the Secret Service tried to get him out of that car with Kennedy into his own car, and he refused. Wow. You know, why would you do that? Why would they? You're the you're the governor, going to ride in the car with the president, uh, you know. Why would you make a big deal of getting him out of there and getting his own car? What's the right. reason for that? Right. Because LBJ told the Secret Service get him in a separate car, right. and he refused to go. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. Um, that also brings me to the other um, uh, parade preparations. Is for President Kennedy's car, um, there was I believe uh, normally a bubble top, mm-hmm. a cover, uh, a see-through cover on top of the car mm-hmm. that President Kennedy would uh, normally have for mm-hmm. security purposes, but. Mm-hmm. On this day in Dallas, it wasn't there.
1: No. And he was highly unpopular in uh, Texas. Yes. And so, the, you know, of all places that you would think you, you know, well, we need this, this, would be Texas. No, they didn't put it on.
0: Right, and the um, that on top of the um, the uh, the, mo- the police motorcycles uh, formation moved, being moved to the back of the car. I believe the excuse was given for both that and the bubble top. That, pres- supposedly, according to
1: Johnson's staff, President Kennedy wanted to be more visible to the crowd. Yeah, and of course they can't confirm that because he's dead. Yeah, yeah. You got to take his word for it, like the FBI. Right. You got to take her word. You got to take our word. Blind for it. faith. Right. We wouldn't lie to you. So again, and this
0: is these are all preparations done by President Johnson's staff. Yeah. All. All conveniently making president kennedy very uh visible and vulnerable uh, and vulnerable to to the to anyone who is interested
1: in doing harm yeah and there's just too many things have gone wrong that day for it not to have been planned it couldn't be coincidental all these things you were f- falling out of place uh, normally you wouldn't do this 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 or this or this but yet we did uh no, it couldn't be just accidental. Right. It had to be planned. Right. How yeah. many yes, how
0: many coincidences do
1: you need
0: for it to occur in order to be persuaded that something else is going on here? Yeah. So there's there's Johnson's actions before the assassination. Then how about what's the most condemning behavior Lyndon Johnson has after the assassination? I've got proposing a communist plot. That he never mentions again. He's mentioned after the assassination, he said, Okay, we've got to get going, guys, because this could be. I've heard this quote from a, a couple different people that he said that, you know, this could be a thing where they're going around, you know, killing all the leaders, and we've got we've to you know, be careful. And it was noted by someone that everyone else was in shock, and President Johnson pretty much just acted like he was in charge.
1: Which yeah and and he wanted to get sworn in right away, okay, immediately
0: that thank you. that was actually my next choice. Oh okay, <laughs> so that was perfect. Uh, he delayed leaving. he delayed the plane from taking off until he was sworn in mm-hmm. which uh in a, this was also pointed out to me because of the line ex, line of succession does not actually need to happen mm. after President Kennedy was killed.
1: He's automatically President in Johnson
0: charge. President Johnson is automatically in charge. Yet he insisted. He even makes this weird phone call to Robert to Kennedy. Robert Kennedy. Whom he hated. Who And he keeps, <laughs> he, you know, who he's in the guise of uh, giving him consolation about his brother, keeps bringing up, uh, don't you think I should get sworn in? Yeah. And then, so then later, and this has been reported by witnesses on the plane, mm-hmm. that he makes this case that he. Quotes Robert Kennedy saying, "Oh yeah," Robert says that you know I should, you know I should get sworn in. So they delay the plane in order to get a judge on the on the plane so that Johnson can be sworn in. Mm-hmm. Isn't that incredibly condemning? Yes, and also needless.
1: And a photographer there to record it and put it out.
0: Yes, that that is where President Johnson's actual focus on is at this time. Instead of this elaborate communist conspiracy that he says he's worried about in this time of national crisis, Mm -hmm. he's worried about, he's focused on making sure uh, he's documented. Yes. So there's that, and then there is insisting on taking President Kennedy's body back to D.C. as soon as possible.
1: Yes, that's happened at Parkland as well. It is the... It's the law in Texas that if somebody is murdered or shot, that the local authorities and the local uh, coroner's office must do an investigation, and an autopsy must be done by the you know the police coroner. Uh, that's their law, and so when immediately when the uh, physicians pronounced uh, Kennedy dead, he said he's officially dead. They wheeled him out, you know, well right after. Jacqueline Kennedy came. They brought Jackie, and she was uh, just outside the door, sitting on a folding chair. This is kind of interesting, too. They brought her in, you know, to see uh, Kennedy before they wheeled him out. She took off her wedding ring and his wedding ring and exchanged them. Wow! Uh, I guess she had to put hers on his little finger, but she took his ring, and then he had his bare foot hanging off out from under the sheet. Mm-hmm. She kissed his foot goodbye. Because his head was, you know, right. And so, then she left the room, and the priest gave the last rites. Then they wheeled them out, and they're getting them out. They're going to take them to the airport, mm-hmm. and the the coroner, physician of the hospital, who does the uh, autopsy, says, "Wait, you can't take you can't take them out. By law, we have to do, you know, uh, an autopsy here." And said, no, we're taking him to Washington. Get out of the way. He said, no, you know, you can't do that. And then the Secret Service pushed him up against the wall and said, we're taking him. Get out of our way. And so they physically pushed him out of the way to take the body. And they scurried him out of the building onto an ambulance and supposedly went, you know, to the airport, uh, you know, at that point. But which was totally bizarre. Right. And also someone else has brought this point
0: up to me. Uh, in, in my research, who has the authority to make this request of the Secret Service at this time to demand President
1: Kennedy's body moved? LBJ. Who, there's no one else. They want that body out of there. You know. Uh, it had the. Well, this is another thing, too. When they took his body to Bethesda, I think, for the official autopsy, mm-hmm. they picked a doctor to do the autopsy who had never done an autopsy on a gunshot victim.
0: Yep, James Humes.
1: Now, when you're doing an autopsy on a gunshot victim, they do lots of scientific studies as to what was the angle of the bullet coming into the body so it had to be 10 feet in the air or whatever it was. That's their job. They know what they're doing. You know, the, the, the guy in Dallas, Parkland, had done hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, traumatically killed people. He knew what he was doing. He would have a very thorough autopsy done, and say he'd be able to explain all the entries and exits and all this. The guy they got at Bethesda had never done it. He had never done an autopsy. He was a pathological doctor who who would study slides of you know stuff that came into the lab. And so why would you have this guy do the autopsy of the most powerful person in the world? He didn't know what he's doing. So that's who did the autopsy, you know of. Right. So it just stinks to high heaven uh what they were doing here. And then the autopsy photographs didn't jive with Parkland. Right. You know, and uh, and it uh um, you know, it's just there's just there's so many things that are bizarrely bizarrely gone wrong not to be a coincidence or an accident. It right. has to be planned. Right.
0: Again, we add we're adding another boulder to the mountain of coincidences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are happening here i still have one more choice of odd behavior by lyndon johnson after the assassination this one's during the Warren commission submitting a letter and not testifying with the warren commission
1: yeah and not like a sworn letter he just submitted a letter yeah take this for my word and not
0: And in, instead of having to to give a witness under
1: oath, yeah, exactly now, if you 're the Warren commission it 's your job to investigate this, you wouldn't accept that. They say no, no no, 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 you 're going to have to come in. We have to put you under oath, but no, they didn't do any of that because they're not they weren 't investigators they're politicians right. handpicked by l b j People's lack of concern that a sitting president of the United States was murdered by a sitting vice president of the United States and that possibly the CIA and the FBI, if not involved with the killing they were with the cover up, and nobody cares. You know I'm you know, I talk to people, you know, and I say, you want to talk about it? And yeah, so what? That's in the past. That's history. And that, well, that's what kind of upsets me. Wait a minute. How could, We live in the United States of America. How oh, We're going to just sit here and let this happen and, and say, ah, well, you know, maybe maybe it's uh, happened, maybe it didn't. No, it did happen. And our government killed the president, and they got away with it. And that's what really upsets me. Even to this day, you have people who are just saying, oh, conspiracy theory. You just, you know, oh, come on, aluminum foil in your head kind of. No, the facts are there. Mm-hmm. And so that's what upsets me, too. You know, mm-hmm. people don't, they don't care. No, yeah. just don't care. Yeah, it's, um,
0: and I think, and part of it I, that you've alluded to before, part of it being a generational thing, um, it would be, I can speak for people of my age, it would be people forgetting or being blasé about the events of 9-11. That's the closest of that someone you know, like myself has ever come to when it comes to the Kennedy's assassination. You remember where you were on that day. And no matter how many years pass, because of, because of how old you were at the time, being able to know what happened, you know, the, the gravity of that event, the, the, the event happening and then the days afterward of, a, of a, just a shadow of grief coming over a country, that doesn't go away. That memory doesn't go away. No. It's a, I'm not, I'm not sure what, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, but it is a great tragedy that sticks with you and it is something that is quite really profound in a, in a person's life. And I remember you mentioned that you actually went to uh you went to the the place where the assassination took place. Yeah. You've actually traveled
1: to Dallas, to Dealey Plaza. What was what was that like? Well, I tell you it was really uh it's hard to explain the feeling that you get when you're there, you know, cuz you're at the place you, that you know what happened. And it hadn't changed a whole lot. They pretty much kept the, the grassy knoll, the fence, the trees, and the book depository now is a museum. And they have tours. You go there and they'll, they'll have a tour guide walk you around and talk to you about, well, uh, over here is where this happened, this is where that happened, and and things like that. But it was, it was kind of like being on hallowed ground only not hollowed ground in the sense of, uh, of God, right? but something terrible happened here. And uh, so it was just kind of an eerie feeling, you know, uh, that. But it was really uh, exciting at the same time. I'd like to go back and do it again. And they've got a six-floor uh, depository. They've kept it the same with the boxes stacked just like it was, and the window there. And you could go up to it and look right into the window where supposedly that's where the shooting took place. And um, it may be very sad. It was very, uh, uh, you know, teary-eyed, you know, being there. But uh, it's worth going to if you have any interest at all in what happened, you know. uh, It's really interesting to do that. But uh, it just uh, makes you very somber, too, you know. Yeah, as well, I should say, hallowed ground in the sense of, you know, a, a president was killed here, mm-hmm. and the people got away with it.
0: Right. You know,
1: it's like going to My Lai in Vietnam, where the massacre happened. You mm-hmm. go, wait a minute, this is a horrible place. What happened here? Mm-hmm. And you just feel it. You know. But uh, yeah, yeah, we went there. <phone rings>
0: How are you doing? Still not convinced? Well, I'd like you to meet one more person. I'd like you to meet someone by the name of Josiah Thompson. There was an article in the SF Chronicle website section uh, called Date Book. In that article for the San Francisco Chronicle, we meet Josiah Thompson. He's described as someone who lives in the uh, Bologna. And is a private detective in San Francisco for more than 30 years. And he has written about the Kennedy assassination. But his operation, his the way he goes about wanting to know the truth, is not based off of any type of elaborate theory that he has. He doesn't know who killed President Kennedy. Instead... Thompson, the article says, he concerns himself with what can be proved through forensics, photography, ballistics, and sound recordings, and witness testimony. The gist of it is, he says, what happened that day was very simple. It's what your eyes tell you happened when you see the Zepp Rutter film. The sequence of events, according to Thompson, is that there were five shots fired. He did this uh, based off of sound recordings and and his research into this. He says, he says there are three bursts. First, Kennedy was shot in the back. Then came the fatal shot from the right front. And finally, less than a second later, Kennedy was shot in the back of the head. The article says, Thompson postulates that the shots were fired from three different directions. Now, Thompson, he backs up his findings with analysis of Dictabelt recordings and with full-color enlarged images taken from the Zipruder film. He puts together and harmonizes seemingly conflicting accounts by people who insist that the shots came from this direction or that. In this process, he approaches the question of who killed Kennedy In his own way, he demonstrates what has been the fatal flaw of other people's attempts to figure out what happened. And he also looks at the immediate aftermath of the assassination. They all start with the assumption about what happened, and they look for evidence to support the assumption. All the complications come from trying to press this into the wrong profile, he says. Thompson's evidence-based approach is based in logic. Kennedy's assassination happened in only one way. Therefore, all the evidence should point to the same conclusion. He says events happen in one way rather than another. He says this happened in one way rather than another, and if the event happened one way rather than the other, all the evidence should be compatible with all the other evidence. The article says, what makes Thompson's findings a big deal is that, without setting out to do so, he all but proves that there was, indeed, a conspiracy. There had to have been one, by definition, because according to Thompson, at least three people were involved, unless you believe that three lone assassins (laughs) <laughs> the article says, uh, unless you believe the three lone assassins woke up one day and decided to do the same thing, Thompson further suggests that the very effectiveness of the assassination argues in favor of professionals, not amateurs. That's the one asked, that's one of the aspects that is so simple in this case that is so obvious. it worked, he says. He's dead. Now, I need to remind you again, as we end this episode, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I don't think there are shadow governments, boogeymen, Loch Ness monsters, or a flat earth. I believe my eyes and what I see in the Zapruder film of the assassination of President Kennedy. I believe three different directions of shots, by its very existence, meets the definition of a conspiracy to commit murder. I believe in the laws of physics when Arlen Spector tries to say that a bullet traveled from the back of Kennedy to his throat and then hit Governor Connolly in the back. I believe people who killed once can be hired to kill again. Shadow governments? A deep state? No. But who else but LBJ had the means, motive, and opportunity to arrange such a horrible event? I believe ambition and corruption can lead to murder. Does what I've presented still sound crazy? Well, the alternative asks you to ignore your eyes, the accounts of eyewitnesses, the facts and asks you, instead, to believe in a magic bullet. Now that sounds crazy. I bring this up because we live in a world where there are those who tell us not to believe your eyes and your ears. Don't believe your eyes when it's obvious someone's been killed in the streets. Don't believe your eyes when it's obvious that a riot at the Capitol is not a tour. Don't believe your eyes and your ears when it's obvious we are in a violent, divided world in great need of peace and unity. In a time of Photoshop and deep fakes, we need reminding to believe the truth when we see it. The great enemy of the truth is very often not the lie, deliberate, contrived and dishonest, but the myth, persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. John F. Kennedy I'm Sam Logan. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Thanks for listening. My sources for this episode and series of the JFK assassination are the following. The SF Chronicle Datebook article, Josiah Thompson, is back to tell us that what really happened to JFK in 1963. The book, LBJ, The Mastermind of the JFK Assassination, written by Philip F. Nelson. The Kennedy Assassination, What Really Happened, A Deathbed Confession, New Discoveries, and Trump's 2017-2018 document release, Implicates LBJ in the Murder, by Jerome A. Croth. Rollingstone.com's article The Last Confession of E. Howard Hunt, The Ultimate Keeper of Secrets, Regarding Who Killed JFK, by Eric Hedgard. and SpartacusEducational.com for my information about Gene Hill. I hope you'll download next episode, it is the season finale, where we'll look at two stories, two presidents and two pieces of cheese. That's next time.